Uh, welcome uh, to part three, uh, week three, the final week in our Getting Past uh, Your Past series. Now, I know you've heard uh, the saying before that you can't change the past, right? Um, and we know that, and so we're not attempting to change the past, but what we've been focusing on these last couple of weeks is what we can do, and that is that we can have a different future, and Jesus, uh, He makes that possible. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 has been kind of a key verse for us in this series when Paul writes that if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. And he says, what happens with Jesus is this, we get this start over because the old is gone and the new is here. You know, we, we get a fresh start in Jesus Christ. He really changes everything. And because we are a new creation in Jesus Christ, if you know Christ as your Savior, it doesn't matter uh, what anyone or what your past says about you because we know and we are confident that Jesus Christ uh, can change your future. Now, in thinking about the title of this series, uh, we're all reminded, and we've talked about this, that we all have a past, right? I mean, we, we've all got a past. We've all got those things behind us that we look back to that we wish we could change. We've got those moments that if we could just find ourselves in that moment once again, maybe we would do something a little differently, just something kind of humorous that happened to me a couple of weeks ago. Uh, it was during the week, and I, I, I came into the back side doors of this room, and well, during the week, if all the lights are off, this is a really, really dark room. Uh, in fact, I would just say to you, if you're ever looking for a place to nap throughout the week, you know, you might consider stopping by the building because it's, it's really dark in here. Well, I came in these back side doors, but the lights are in the center of the room. And, and as I was coming in the door, I, I kind of quickly remembered that, but I thought, well, I know the path. I've been in this room plenty of times. I'll, I'll just kind of make my way quickly as the door was shutting to this back middle door. And, and so the door came to a close and I, I kind of made a brisk walk over to that light switch. Well, evidently I didn't know my path as well as I thought I did. And I ran right into the end row uh, of one of those chairs back there with both shins. And I'm not kidding. I went flat straight down uh, onto the row in front of me. And I might've thought some things I shouldn't have thought, you know, and I needed to repent of that. And I, I noticed even I still have these bruises on my shin from where I ran directly into those chairs. And if I could get that moment back, I could have walked around to the other door. I could have used my flashlight app on my phone or, or something. But I can't get a moment like that back because we all, we all have moments. We've all got moments in our past that we'd love to get back. And some of those stories of some of those moments are pretty funny and not a big deal. But you know that there are others uh, that aren't so funny. And, and so we've called this series Getting Past Your Past because we all have things that we wish were different about our past. And, and for some people, you know, that thing for you, you know, your past maybe is defined by a ton of pain because you know that somebody hurt you. And, and, and we've all got hurt in our lives I mean, it's a part of, of, of our lives for, for every single one of us. It's an unfortunate part of life. And, and sometimes the pain and sometimes the hurt is a result of something as simple as a, a misunderstanding or maybe a miscommunication. But honestly, when you think about it, that's all the spiritual enemy needs. I mean, one misunderstanding, one stray word or sentence is all he needs to drive a deep wedge between two people in any relationship. And you know, I mean, you know how even that one wedge can affect a relationship uh, for many years. And, but let's be realistic because it's not always just a small thing. I mean, other times, I mean, if you think about your past, it's a big thing. And anytime there's been an outright insult or betrayal, I mean, it's a big deal. And 
Well, sometimes the hurt and resentment we experience is the result of something downright cruel that someone did to us. And it's not wrong to hurt, so I don't want you to hear that. I mean, it's natural to feel pain when someone does something, you know, hurtful to us, but harboring resentment is something completely different, you know? And harboring resentment because of the hurt is something different altogether. And what happens is that when we allow resentment and when we allow bitterness to take hold, I mean, when we allow resentment to consume us, the original hurt, what the original hurt does is it keeps on hurting. And really, when you think about it, it's a lot like picking a scab because the more you do it, the more it's going to hurt and the bigger the scar is going to be. And resentment works like that too. I mean, it's just something that builds and increases so much that if left unattended or untreated, it can cause greater problems. And what it does is it messes with us in ways that go well beyond even the original hurt. It's like one person said when she wrote, hanging on to resentment is like drinking poison and hoping it will kill someone else. It's true, right? Resentment's a lot like that. It's like drinking poison and hoping that someone else will get hurt from it. I mean, and here's what I want to say to you. If you're going to get the absolute most out of what we're talking about today, um, here's what I want us to do before you go any further. Um, as we think about this idea of resentment, as we think about this idea uh, of forgiveness, as you think about your past and maybe one particular moment in your past, or maybe there's many, will you take a moment with me? And let me just ask you this, just to get your minds working in the same direction with me. Is there someone in your life you need to forgive? I mean, think about it for just a second. Is there someone in your life that you need to forgive? I mean, who's that person that hurt you? You know, I, I got to believe that for some of you, it will take zero effort. You're already there. You already know, you know, who that person is for you. And, and because of that hurt, you know, because of that person, you know there's resentment because someone lied to you, someone took advantage of you, someone wounded you, and, and even now, just the thought of what happened, it, it begins stirring in you these new emotions, and, and maybe it's because it recently happened. I mean, it's a fresh wound, but maybe for others of you, it's not so fresh of a wound. I mean, it happened a year ago, or it happened years ago. And you'd like to think that you filed it away and been able to move on. I mean, you, you've tried to convince others that you have, but you haven't. Because wouldn't you know it, I mean, all it takes is one family gathering. I mean, all it takes is that one weekend soccer game, you know, with your kids because he's going to be there. Or maybe you bump into them at Walmart. Or sometimes even just when you hear, you know, their name, all of a sudden, all of that hurt starts racing back in. And all of the bitterness comes rushing back in. And if you're honest with yourself, what you realize is that you can't get past the past. And that's why it's so important to remember that it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if it's a fresh wound. It doesn't matter if it's an old wound. It doesn't matter how long ago it happened. No matter what it is, you can't, we can't, I can't change the past. But what you can do is you can change the way the past affects you. And here's what I believe, and here's what I've been praying, and here's what I've asked others to pray for with me today for this week too, is I believe that God is big enough and I believe that He is powerful enough to heal whatever hurt is in your life today. 
And I believe that He can come in in such a way and, and because on your own, you can't change your life and I don't have the capacity to change your life. And some of you have tried and you failed in that, but our God can and I believe that He is present with us today and because He is able to do immeasurably more than we could ever ask for or imagine if you let Him. I believe that what he can do is he can help you get past your resentment, that he can make resentment a part of your past once and for all. And what that means is that if you've been drinking the poison, you know, if you would, what you need is an antidote. And when you take that hurt, and when you take that pain, and when you take that resentment to God, what he wants to do is he wants to show you how to forgive. And if you're taking notes, write this down. Forgiveness is the antidote to resentment. Forgiveness is the antidote to resentment. Now, as you're writing that down, let me just stop there for a second because I know what some of you are already thinking. You're thinking to yourself, Paul, you have no clue. You don't have any idea. I mean, you, you can't completely understand what he did, what it is, what happened, and how it's affected me even to this day. You have no idea what I've been through. I mean, you don't know what my life is like. You don't know who I'm married to. You don't know what he did to me growing up. You have no idea what she said to my children. And you're right, and I don't know. And maybe someone took advantage of and stole away your innocence, and maybe someone gossiped about you, and it's affected uh, your reputation. You know, maybe mom and dad divorced at, at just the wrong time when you needed the, mo the most in your life. I mean, maybe your wife cheated, or maybe, maybe it's not what someone did to you, but maybe it's what they did to someone else, somebody that you love. And, and listen, here, here's the thing. I, I'm not in any way trying to minimize what you've been through, and I don't know what happened to you, and I won't try to understand what your pain feels like, but I will tell you this, I do know what it means to be hurt, and I know what pain feels like, and I also know what it's like to be filled with resentment, and I've seen what bitterness can do to someone. And so let me just come back to that question again, if I could, before we continue on. I mean, ask yourself, answer this question, who is it for you? Who's that person for you? Who hurt you? Who offended you? I mean, it could be a friend, uh, it could be a parent, could be a sibling, an old boyfriend or girlfriend, a husband or wife, could be an ex. I mean, maybe it's a former teacher. Uh, maybe it was a, a coach. Uh, maybe someone who helped you start a business or something. I mean, maybe a, no, a neighbor. Maybe, maybe it was a child that said some really hurtful words and, and has taken off in a different direction and they've completely rejected you. Maybe you found out that your husband's looking at pornography and you can't ever even imagine letting that go and moving on for that. I mean, maybe you just found out that your spouse has a sexual past that goes way back before you ever knew them, but you can't put that behind you. I mean, maybe, maybe it's somebody who's no longer living. And, and even though they're not living, even though they're gone, the memories aren't, and you still hurt, and now there's this grudge and this bitterness and this resentment. Here's the thing. Here's the effect that resentment can have on, this, on, on us. Whether you choose to believe it or not, resentment is like a cancer to the soul. And if left untreated, it has the potential to ruin you. And it has this potential to do even greater harm than the original wound. And maybe it already has. And I know this. I know this. And I, I have been preparing for the fact that this might be a very challenging message for some of you today. But I pray, what I'm praying is that with the Lord's help, that you will see 
that what looks like even the impossible in your life, that, that if there is bitterness and if there is resentment in your life towards someone uh, because of something that has happened in the past, I'm praying, what I'm praying is that God would open up your heart today and, and that, that He would give you the strength or that you would seek Him or that you would, you would ask Him to give you the strength to forgive or at least begin the process of forgiving that someone who hurt you. You know, and so this thought crossed my mind earlier this week as I was preparing for this message that, you know what, we could probably talk about forgiveness for a month. We've got 20 minutes left, all right? And so uh, we're going to have to be a little efficient and, and kind of get to the point. So I want to keep moving with you, but I want to acknowledge the challenge in that. And, and so in your notes, uh, as we look to the Bible, as we look to God's Word for guidance and direction on forgiveness, what I want to do is I want to talk to you first about why to forgive for just a moment, and then we're going to focus a little more on the how to forgive. But let's first start with the why. I mean, why forgive? Why is this so important? Why is this what God has in mind for all of His children? Uh, it's in your notes. Why forgive? The first thing is this. Resentment hurts me. It hurts you. Uh, resentment hurts. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 15 says, See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. We were at my mother-in-law's house last weekend. We were sitting out in the backyard and I noticed that from one of their trees there was this, well, it looked like a rope but really was what it was a root that was hanging from one of the branches and wrapped around the stump. And, and I commented on it, and my mother-in-law's husband was telling me that that was a root that he had recently pulled from a PVC drain pipe in their backyard. They had this drain pipe in the ground as a piece of PVC pipe that uh, drained the sump pump. And well, back a while ago in the summer when it was actually raining, uh, he noticed a problem one day and that all of this water wasn't emptying out of the house. And so he went out into the yard and as he dug down into the grass and he found this PVC pipe and he cut into the PVC, he started pulling out this root that was something like 10, 15 feet long. And to imagine that this one tree root could penetrate a piece of PVC pipe and cause all of this trouble, you kind of see what this writer is getting at when he says that see to it that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many because what can a bitter root do it can cause trouble uh, it can ruin family gatherings uh, it can ruin marriages and childhoods and workplaces because what does bitterness do it grows up and it causes trouble and it defiles all sorts of things. There's a woman um, by the name of Bronnie Ware, and she is a writer and a nurse from Australia, and she has spent several years now working uh, and caring for patients uh, in the last 12 weeks of their lives. And uh, what she noticed is as Ware was walking with her patients and their families in these final stages of their lives, she just witnessed how her patients gained what she wrote, a phenomenal clarity of vision as they approached death. And uh, Ware claims that when she questioned these individuals, when she talked to them, uh, you know, when she questioned about any regrets that they had from their past, anything that they would do differently if they had more time, common themes surfaced over and over again. And according to Ware, there were five major categories of regret, including things like working too much or losing touch with friends. But here's one that I found to be so interesting. And what she discovered is that over and over again, in these conversations with people who were staring in the face of death, these patients would say, I wish that I had the courage, if I could go back 
and express my feelings. And uh, as Ware unpacks this a little bit, what we discover is that many people, many of these patients had suppressed their feelings so much over the years in order to keep peace uh, and with others. But what happened was, and what they have found is that they in turn developed more and more illnesses related to this bitterness and this resentment that they were never able to let go of. Is it any surprise to us when the writer of Hebrews says, see to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble, not only in the individual's life who's holding on to that resentment, but even for others too. See, here's the thing. So many people today, and maybe even some of you right now, are living with a bitter root in your life. And you might not even be aware of it. But do you know what? Others see it. I mean, your spouse knows it, Uh, your kids know, your small group knows, Uh, anybody that reads your posts on Facebook, they know about it, and and maybe you're completely unaware of it because you're just so used to it, and you've learned to function with a grudge, and and maybe what you've been doing is you've been holding out and waiting for the other person to, to apologize, but the reality is that if you don't do something about it now, I mean, you might, like these patients of where, take it to your deathbed too but what does God have for us? Like, that's what we've got to keep asking, especially as followers of Jesus. What does God have in mind? Well, the Bible says love keeps no record of wrongs, but bitterness and resentment aren't like that. I mean, bitterness keeps a long, detailed list. Uh, Bitterness knows exactly how it went down. I mean, it literally is a cancer of the soul, and if left untreated, I mean, it can hurt us in ways and hurt our relationships with other people, and most importantly, it can affect our relationship with God, too. And so why should we forgive? Because resentment hurts me too, and it's a poison. But there's another reason, and the second is that I need forgiveness too. Um, I need it. I'll need it again. Uh, You need it, and you're going to need it again. Moms and dads, can I just tell you this? I mean, do you know one of the best ways, one of the greatest ways that you can teach your kids forgiveness? It's to demonstrate it. I mean, it's to humble yourself and stand before your spouse, even in front of your kids, and apologize, or to be on the receiving end of that apology and accept that apology and forgive your spouse. I mean, it, and it takes humility, too, to take your children aside once in a while and say, you know, hey, because I flew off the hook at you and that was uncalled for, I mean, you just take a moment and you ask your own children for their forgiveness, Jesus said it like this in Matthew 6, uh, verse 14. He says, For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive you. Now, this stings a little bit. I mean, every time I read this, it, it, it stings. I mean, because when you look at it, you have to ask yourself, okay, does this mean that if I refuse to forgive someone, I'm going to hell? I mean, is that what it says? Well, that's not what it says. I mean, what Jesus is doing here is he's using an extreme language as a wake-up call of sorts. I mean, he said it like this when he could have easily said, why in the world would you ever expect or ask God to forgive you for what you've done if you turn around and refuse to extend that same forgiveness to someone else? I mean, what Jesus is doing here, what he's getting at is that he is trying to help us see that the foundation of our relationship with him starts with forgiveness. And it really goes all the way back, even week one uh, in our series here, Getting Past Your Past. If you didn't get a chance to hear that, I challenge you to go to our website and check that out as we talked about the importance of getting past our failures, 
you know, that we carry around this regret from our past over these failures in our lives, but, but what great news to discover and find that our greatest sins, that your greatest sins are nothing compared to the love and the grace of our God through Jesus Christ. And it's the good news of Jesus, and it means that if I trust, if I surrender my life uh, to my Savior, Jesus, that I'm forgiven, and you're forgiven, and we're saved by His grace, or look at it like this, if you've been around here for a while and if you've heard us preach on forgiveness before, you might remember that uh, forgiveness is not just a Bible word, but it really is a financial term. And it means, it literally means the debt has been paid. It's been canceled. It means that He, that God, our Father, that He takes my bill and He takes my debt and He rips it up so that it can never be put back together again. And so what that means for you and me is that when it comes to the way I'm supposed to forgive, it's like one person said, he said, you know, forgiveness ought to be like a canceled note torn in two and burned up so that it could never be shown to anyone ever again. You know, it doesn't matter what it is. His forgiveness is enough for me. His forgiveness is enough for you. His grace is sufficient to cover over my past and your past. And if His grace is good enough for me, what is it that keeps me, what is it that keeps you from extending that same kind of grace to someone else? I was uh, reading a story this past week from the uh, Truth and Reconciliation Commission. Now, what's that? Well, it was the body uh, formed in South Africa uh, to investigate the hate crimes that were committed during the apartheid era. And there were these horrible, and you've probably heard some of the stories before, but these horrible crimes that were committed against black South Africans uh, during that time. And when you read about some of those and you hear some of those stories, I mean, it's almost impossible to believe that anyone could be that evil. But um, there was one particular story that I was looking at this past week that was especially moving. It was a story of two people, uh, two people who came before the commission, who testified before this commission, a woman just simply known as Mrs. Collada and her daughter, and uh, Mrs. Collada's husband had been an advocate for uh, black South Africans living in rural communities, and because of his work, uh, he'd been arrested repeatedly, detained, and tortured uh, by the police a number of times, and one day was the last, and he disappeared. And he never came home again. And on the front page of the newspaper, it took the front page of the news for this woman, Mrs. Collada, where she saw a photograph of her husband's car and it was on fire. And well, as the story goes, as she stood before this commission, she cried so loudly, especially as they described the, her husband's autopsy report about all of this repeated torture um, that the commission had to be adjourned for a period of time. And well, when they finally came back, when they reconvened, Mrs. Collada's daughter testified and Years had gone by since this had happened, and she was now a young woman, and she pleaded with the commission to help them discover who it was that killed her father. But she wasn't crying because she wanted vengeance or justice. Instead, she said to the commission, we want to forgive, but we need to know who it is that we've got to forgive. And eventually, as the record shows, the Members of a particular police department confessed to this crime, but rather that continue in this endless cycle of hatred, Mrs. Collada and her daughter forgave the men who tortured and killed their husband and father because in their own words, as they said, this is what a follower of Jesus does. Now, when I read something like this, I can't help but ask, does forgiveness mean we don't care about justice? 
Does forgiveness mean there is no consequence for evil? No. But what it means is this, that we leave justice in the hands of our God and we know that He alone can fairly jump. And our followers, uh, our job as followers of Jesus is to break the cycle. And it's forgiving others just as God in Christ has done for us. And so why should I forgive? Because resentment is bad for me. But secondly, because I need forgiveness in my life too. Now, that's a little of the why. Let's take a few minutes now and focus on the how. How? Do I even begin thinking about forgiving someone who ripped my heart out? Uh, how do I forgive someone who stole my childhood? How do I forgive someone who hurt someone else that I love? The first thing is this. Write this down. It's in your notes. Forgiveness starts with prayer. I mean, it has to start with prayer. We start with prayer. I mean, you just start praying, and you pray for God to change your heart, and you pray for those who hurt you. Now, that doesn't mean that you pray for your enemy to get hemorrhoids, all right? Or that you pray that they get hit by a bus or, or something like that. No, we pray like Jesus prayed when they came to him and they mocked him and they tortured him. He prayed. What did he pray? Father, forgive them. Forgive them because they have no idea what they're doing. I mean, for Jesus, he was just practicing what he taught. Look at Matthew 5, verse 43. Jesus says, you have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But Jesus says, but I tell you, love your enemies. That means even as Colts fans, you love those New England Patriot fans, you know, this season, all right? But you pray for those who persecute you. Now, this was a countercultural kind of teaching on Jesus' part because at this time in history, the Romans worshipped revenge even as one of their gods. I mean, it was normal and encouraged to seek revenge. Revenge was celebrated. And as Jesus alludes to here, I mean, even the Jewish rabbis taught from the old law, you know, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, and life for life. But Jesus comes along. He flips everything upside down, and what does he say? He says, you know what? You love your enemies. And then what? Pray for them. And you pray for those who persecute you. Now, you hear something like that, and if you're like me, you might think to yourself, um, I don't want to pray for them. I don't feel like praying for them, or how can I pray for them? I mean, even if I tried, it wouldn't be sincere because I don't have it in me. But notice that Jesus doesn't say you pray if you feel like it. And I think we just need to be reminded, here's what prayer does. Here's the power of prayer in you and through us and through your life. You know, prayer, simply when you think about it, it gets our heart moving in the right direction. I mean, prayer reminds me that I can't do it on my own. And we know that we, 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 we can't, you know, even together. But there is someone else who can. And there is someone who can give us that strength. And if you have ever heard that saying before that right feelings follow right actions, well, there's truth in it. Because if you wait uh, for the desire to pray, you might wait forever. And you may not feel like it. But if you would say today that it's your heart's desire to follow the Lord Jesus in anything and everything, then you and I, we've just got to make that, that practice to live by what he says and, and to live like him and to start praying. And he can change your heart. And he can at least today get you started in that process because sometimes forgiveness is a process, but moving you towards for forgiveness. So how do you forgive? It starts with prayer. I mean, that might be the best first step for some of you today is just start praying. And maybe you're not ready to forgive tomorrow, and maybe you're not ready to forgive next week or even next month, but you just keep praying. And what I believe is this, that God will give you a heart, and he can give you the strength and even the desire to forgive. And that's why it has to start with prayer. 
Again, this may be your only action step for today, but if it takes you in the way that the Lord wants to take you, then you can't go wrong and you just continue in it. And so don't let the resentment be the final word. Do the work to forgive. Start with prayer. But there's another thing. The second thing is this, is just to forgive as you've been forgiven. Like, that's got to be the heart behind it, is that I will forgive because I've been forgiven. As Paul writes in Colossians 3.13, he says, Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, and then he says, Forgive as the Lord forgave you. How do you forgive? You forgive the same way that Christ has forgiven you. And Christ has forgiven you, and he's forgiven me completely. And so you and I, we just forgive the same way. That's how you forgive. And thinking back to it, I, I like that conversation. And maybe you're familiar with that conversation where the Apostle Peter, he had this conversation with Jesus about forgiveness. And he came to Jesus. There was this one particular occasion, and he asked Jesus this question. He said, Lord, how many times should I forgive someone? And he threw out the number seven. And there's all sorts of significance behind that number and the reason that he's asking. But Jesus looked at him and replied, seven? How about 77? I mean, it was Jesus' way of saying, you know, when it comes to forgiveness, Peter, don't even keep track. You just keep forgiving. That's the life that I've called you to as one of my followers. Now, let me add this. Um, What if you're in danger? I mean, what if you find yourself in a threatening situation right now? I mean, what if you're in an abusive situation? Then what? Um, I would say to you, get out of the house. Um, Seek some professional help immediately and, you know, get away until that person that is hurting you is ready to own up to and take responsibility and even seek out help uh, for what they've done. You can forgive from a distance, all right? But sometimes there's this process, there's this process also known that we're not even going to talk about, but reconciliation. And while forgiveness is one thing, reconciliation is another, and reconciliation takes time. But for you and I today, Jesus says forgive, and that is what we do. I'm forgiven by Christ, and I don't deserve His grace, but because I belong to Him, I live my life offering the same forgiveness that He's offered to me. Check out this really cool story that I came across this past week. Not many convicts consider themselves blessed, but this guy does, and for good reason. He's getting out way early. It's going to be like being on bar all the time, you know, because I know that I, I should still be in prison because the justice system says that I should still be in prison. In 2003, Eric Smallridge of Tallahassee, Florida, was found guilty of two counts DUI manslaughter. While driving at twice the legal limit for alcohol, he hit a car carrying Lisa Dixon and Megan Nate, both 20. They died instantly. He got 22 years for the crime, which sounded just about right to Renee Nate. I felt like our system had served us well and justice had been served. I definitely felt that. But a few years later, a woman came forward and asked the judge to reduce Eric's sentence in half. She claimed Eric was truly sorry for what he'd done and deserved leniency. And the judge obliged, partly because of what she said, but mostly because of who she was. You realize what a gift you gave this guy? I do. Renee's 180 began with the single term of a single phrase. First at sentencing and later in a letter, Renee told Eric she'd forgiven him, even though at the time she hadn't. Not really. 
At trial, Eric had actually been pretty defensive and unapologetic. I could hate him forever. And, and the world would tell me to have a right to do that. But it's not going to do me any good, and it's not going to do him any good. I would grow old and bitter and angry and hateful. Forgiveness is that important? If you want to heal. I think, in my opinion, forgiveness is the only way to heal. And she says it did heal her almost as much as it healed him. It was like a burden. It was, it was a, a weight off my chest. I no longer had to hide behind this facade. Following the forgiveness, Eric apologized repeatedly and profusely in private and public to the families of both girls. Eventually, Lisa's parents forgave him too, which only inspired Eric to atone even more. Please welcome Eric Smollett. While still in custody, Eric agreed to speak at high schools with Renee telling kids, as only they can, the consequences of drinking and driving. Chains, shackles, lost hopes and dreams, broken dreams. They both plan to continue doing this, even after Eric's release. Okay, I'm gonna go to wherever we need to go to spread this message, because I don't believe it's about us anymore. And there's gonna be healing, and there's gonna be um, good things from here on out, you know. This week, Eric Smallridge was released from custody into the arms of his parents. His mom, so grateful, she actually hugged the guard first. The happy ending that would have never existed without forgiveness. Because of that one powerful word, tonight he is free. And so is she. Steve Hartman, on the road, in Tallahassee, Florida. You know, as we were uh, talking about that story this past week, we kind of acknowledged that one of the dangers in showing a story like that is that you can't help but sit back and think, well, that's on the news. It's so sensational. It's so crazy. How could I ever possibly relate? Well, you know what? Your story might not ever end up on the news, but maybe you can relate. And what would it look like? What would it look like for you to be able to find that strength, to step out and forgive in a way that you could never possibly imagine? To forgive as the Lord has forgiven you. You know, that's the key. It really is the key. And you wrote it like this way. It's in your notes. You know, my ability to forgive starts with a understanding, starts with a deeper understanding of my own forgiveness. I mean, my ability and your ability to forgive, to live the life that Christ has called us to live comes out of a greater understanding of what Jesus Christ has already done and given to me, that forgiveness. That means He demonstrated it. And when you think about it, that God made the first move. He went first. He paid the price for my sin and my actions by giving up His Son. And if He would sacrifice His own Son to forgive me, what would prevent me? What would prevent you today? from extending that same sort of grace and forgiveness to someone else. You might be thinking, how in the world could I ever forgive? I want to tell you here this morning that maybe for the first step for you is just dwelling on and meditating on and praying through and just asking the Lord to give you a greater understanding for the forgiveness that He's already extended to you. And if He can do that for you, why can't you do that for someone else? There's one more verse that I want to show you. It comes out of Ephesians uh, chapter 4. 
verse 32, and uh, it's interesting, I was laying in bed reading this last night before I went to sleep, and if you actually back up about 12 verses, Paul, the Apostle Paul, is talking about this new life that we have in Christ, and he even uses the same language, that the old self is gone, the new self is here, the old self is all about bitterness and rage, but the new self, he says, is like this, Ephesians 4, 32, and he says, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ, God forgave you. Here's what I want to challenge you with today and even give you a moment to think on. In your notes, you'll notice that verse and you'll notice there's a blank because maybe it would help you not to so much generalize it but to get really specific with God today. And in those words, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving mom or dad or maybe there's a name or it's a former boss, or a so-called friend. Maybe there's a name for you that needs to go in that blank today to personalize it in such a way that you invite the Lord in and to do a work in your life that you are never capable of doing on your own. Start the process. Start the process of forgiveness today. You know, you're maybe, maybe you'd say, I'm not ready, but Lord, I'm listening. But if you're a follower of Jesus, maybe you know today, it's time to forgive. Let's pray together. You know, and as we pray, you know, maybe there's just going to be a moment where, well, you already know the name or a name's going to come to mind or you're just going to feel the prompting of the Lord to write a name in that blank. It's for you. You're not going to turn it in. It's for no one else to see. But if at any time you feel the Lord leading you to do that, I'd encourage you to take that step, and maybe that's just a great step to take today. God, we pray and ask, Lord, right now that you would do a deep work in our hearts, and, and I ask that you would set us free from pain and resentment in our past, and that you would, Lord, give us the power and strength to forgive. And as we pray here today, let me, let me just talk to those of you who are followers of Jesus for just a moment. I mean, if you would say that you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and maybe here's what it looked like for you today. Maybe as soon as we started talking about this subject of resentment, you knew this was going to be a tough day. And maybe today, right now, you've recognized, or you're recognizing, you've pushed a hurt deep into your heart, but who are you kidding? You know it's still a challenge. And you may not even want to yet, but you know the right thing is to forgive. And you may not feel like it yet, but you are ready by the grace of God, by the power of God in you to ask the Holy Spirit to give you the strength to forgive. Because as you think about your own forgiveness in Christ, I mean, it just leads you to that point where you say, I've got to forgive too. And I want to just pray for that strength for you right now. God, I pray uh, in the name of Jesus for a miraculous work by your Spirit. God, we thank you that you can lead us to do things that we can never do on our own. And so I pray for healing right now. I pray for healing in our relationships. I pray for healing in marriages, marriages that would fail without your power. God, I pray for parent and child relationships. I, I pray for friendships and relationships with sisters and brothers and other Christians. God, will you send your spirit to move through this place right now and more importantly in our hearts and give us the ability and the desire to forgive and show us what that looks like. And God, we thank you for what you're going to do. 
as you give us this power and this strength to forgive and we lift this up to you in Jesus' name. And as we continue praying, you know, maybe what some of you are recognizing is that you need, that what you need to start is forgiveness from God in your own life. And maybe you recognize today that something is missing in your life and then you need Jesus in your heart too. You know, the good news is that the Bible says that if we confess our sins to God, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And God sent His Son Jesus and He was without sin, but He became sin for us and He died on the cross. And now, if anyone is in Christ... As the scriptures say, you are a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. And some of you here today, well, maybe what you'll recognize today is that God brought you here for this moment. And you know you need forgiveness and you need to be set free from the past and you are looking for a fresh start. And what I want to do today is I want to invite you to turn your life and your heart towards Jesus today and to call out to him. And when you do, I can promise you that he will forgive every sin you've ever committed and he will make you a brand new person today. And if you know that, and if you want that, and if you desire that, and if you'd say, I need his forgiveness and I need Jesus in my life, pray this prayer with me. Father, save me from my sins. Jesus, be the Lord of my life. I surrender everything to you today. Fill me with your spirit so that I can serve you for the rest of my life. And God, thank you for the gift of Jesus for me. And it's his name I pray. Amen. I want to invite you to stand uh, with us as we sing. And um, again, I just want to acknowledge that maybe for some of you this isn't over. It's just the starting place. But to really reflect on those words that my ability to forgive has everything to do with a greater understanding of my own forgiveness that I have in Christ. Let, let's sing these words together. Let's offer them up to the Lord today and make this our response to Him before we go from this room.